Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Amen. Good morning. Good to see each of you here. Glad that you're here. And uh, my name is Pastor Aaron. I have the great privilege and honor of uh, being the senior pastor here at West Hill. Uh, we're so glad that you're here and that you've chosen to worship with us uh, on this Sunday. Our children are headed back to, uh, to their time together children's church and uh, I just want to start off if you have your Bibles you can start uh, you can turn to the book of Jonah uh, we're gonna walk through the first two verses last week was kind of a short introduction today we'll have a little bit more of an introduction but we're gonna dig into those first two verses and uh, and hopefully Hopefully, really asking God to work in our hearts and work in our lives uh, this morning. Uh, I know some of you are tired and you're exhausted. We had a fantastic week of Vacation Bible School here. Um, we had uh, our high night. We had 135 children. Uh, we had overall 166 children uh, that we were able to minister to this week. And uh, our Friday night uh, picnic, our family picnic, uh, was just packed, and we just had a lot of fun. And so you might have saw some grass on the sidewalk and uh, all that grass on the triangle uh, beat down, and there was all kinds of water slip and slide and another big bouncer, and we just... We had a blast, and, and I want to take a moment um, just to thank each of you uh, who were part of that. Uh, if you were home praying, if you brought cookies in, uh, if, if you were here serving uh, each night, everybody, everybody had a role, and it would, not, it would not have been successful if it weren't for each and every person and, 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 and each person being a part of this. And it was a team. It was a family. And we came together, and we got to see God work in amazing and great ways. We saw God plant a lot of seeds and uh, the gospel. The gospel message went out clearly Wednesday. Uh, I had the privilege of sitting in our Bible class, and uh, Mike and, and Dick and, and Kara did a fantastic job down there uh, presenting the Bible story every night. And then each station that they went to that was that was shared uh, again and again about Christ. And then Susan and, and the girls up here uh, did a tremendous job of just showing uh, in a real way what Jesus had done and, and the sacrifice that he made on the cross. And so um, I don't know if there are any kids that got saved, but I know that it's not our job to save them. Uh, we plant the seed, and we water, and God gives the increase. And I am confident that God will continue to use the message uh, that he planted in those children's hearts and their lives, and, and the love, the love that each of you expressed to those families. Uh, I've gotten several emails from different families, from different people uh, already just thanking us and so I want to thank you this morning for each of you who had a part of that. I want to say thank you and praise the Lord for you because it, we could not have done it without each of you. So praise God. Amen. Thank you. For those of you who help serve and are exhausted and tired for the next 20 minutes, if you start falling asleep, it's okay. All right. Let me just encourage you, if you, if you start doing the head bob, just lay back, find a comfortable spot, because it's going to hurt me watching you do that, okay? So it's better not to fight it, just let it go, all right? Just relax, 
enjoy the next 20 minutes. Um, I'll confess, on Friday, uh, I came in early because I wanted to work on, on my sermon and, and really have a good feel for that. And kind of, I knew where I was headed, but I needed to finish it up before the madness of Friday. And then, uh, and then we had a busy day yesterday. Um, so I came in, worked on it. And then by like, I think it was about like 3.30, I went to Georgia. And, and I told Georgia, I said, Georgia, I can't do it anymore. I said, I'm going to go in my office, I'm going to close my doors, and I'm going to lay on the floor, and i got to take a nap. And I said, for the next 30 to 40 minutes, I said, if there's an emergency, come get me. But other than that, I just need a few minutes. And uh, so, yeah, I took a nap Friday. Um, uh, I'll, I'll pay you back, I guess. I'll pay the church back uh, for sleeping on the job. But it was well worth it for the rest of the night and having that energy. Um, the flowers here this morning are, are in honor of, of Anne, Anne Barclay, and it's great to see uh, her family here. Bill, we love you. We've been praying for you. Uh, we miss you. We're glad you're here this morning, and, uh, and our hearts and our prayers have been with you, and uh, it's a joy to see you and your family here, and, uh, um, or maybe I should start calling you Billy I guess, because your your brother-in-law there called you Billy, and I thought, that's the first time I've ever heard Bill Barclay called Billy. I'm like, I would never call him Billy. And... uh, uh, but it's it's great to have you you all here today, and and uh, I believe that God was honored yesterday, and I, uh, he was he was lifted up on high, and I believe that your your mom would have been proud of all of you and what you shared and just the the time together. It was it was special, and uh, afterwards, uh, just being real again with you this morning, um, uh, I, I told Carlton after that service, I said Carlton, I we were just standing there watching and. I said, this, this is getting harder. I don't know if I'm getting older. I don't know if it's just because I'm tired or I'm just getting soft in my old age. That's what my kids tell me. They're like, Dad, you're getting soft, especially Lene, because she thinks it was like the worst for her because, you know, being the oldest and Zach gets away with everything. She's like, I never got to do that. And, you know, uh, some of you siblings know what that's like, you know, when you're the oldest one and your younger one's like, I could never do that. And. You know, one day Zach said he was bored, you know, and he's got the iPad and all that. And she's like, she looked at him and she said, you're bored? You know what we had? When I was growing up, all I had is coloring books and crayons. And I'm like, really? That was rough. <laughs> it's great. It's great to be around kids. It's great to be, to be a family here. And it's great to be able to come. You know, back several years ago, we, we titled this service Revive. A revived service. And that's, that was our prayer this morning as we prayed before service that God would revive us. And so that when we leave out of here, we came in tired, we came out in kind of weary, kind of droopy. I think of a, a tomato plant that, you know, it's kind of just lacked some water and it's, it's ready, it's producing some fruit, but it's just kind of withered. And, and yet when you give it some, some water and some sunlight, it just takes back off. And, and that's my prayer this morning, that, that as we spend time worshiping God, and spend time in his word, that we'll be revived, that our hearts and our minds and our spirit will be revived. And so thanks, Andrew, and the worship team for leading us there and, and getting to this point where now we can dig into the book of Jonah. And so if you're there, we're going to read the first two verses, and you might be thinking, man, how are you going to get a sermon out of two verses? Well, 
We're going to try, all right? So let's read these two verses together, and then, uh, then I'll have a word of prayer, and then we're going to dig in and, and look at them together. Jonah 1, verses 1 and 2 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we are thankful for the way that you work in our lives. Thank you for this week of ministry, of being able to pour out our hearts and, and your love uh, upon the families and upon the children that you gave us here for Vacation Bible School. We thank you for um, the service yesterday and, and just being able to recognize your work in, in, in such a remarkable lady and Anne, and through her and Bill and how you've impacted so many lives, Lord, her faithfulness, may that we carry that legacy on. And Lord, as we come now and as we've lifted our hearts and our hands, our physical hands, Lord, in a real way up to you, Lord, we're asking you to come and work in us now. We need your spirit to come into our hearts, come into our minds, to change us, to transform us. Um, we can't do that. We can't muster up enough strength or enough uh, oomph of ourselves in order to do that. We need you, Lord, uh, to come here to meet with us in this place and to reveal your truth to us so that when we leave here, we are changed people so that we're revived. We need revival in our own hearts and our own minds. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would use me as your servant. Lord, uh, I feel inadequate. And yet, Lord, you've chosen me. You've asked me to do this. And so help me, Lord. Give me the words that, that you want me to share this morning. And may our ears and our minds be receptive so that our hearts will be changed. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. When you look at the theme of Jonah, um, probably one overarching thought comes into your mind. And that is, okay, here's a, um, a man um, that gets swallowed by a big fish because he was disobedient to God. And so he um, just lived, uh, he, he wanted to do his own thing. He was swall swallowed by a big fish. He, he asked for forgiveness, so God spit him back out on shore. He went grudgingly and told people um, to repent. And those people did, and he threw a hissy fit, um, and, um, and the book ends. It, it, it is kind of in that way, the overarching um, way that we think of the book of Jonah. Um, Tim Keller has a great book that, that I'm, I'm pushing through here. It's called The Prodigal Prophet. And when he talks about Jonah, he, he compares it um, to um, the, the story that Jesus shares uh, about the, 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 the prodigal son. In that, that Jonah is uh, the prodigal son that, that moves away, but he's also like the older son. And that when that younger son comes back, the older son um, is upset um, because he's been faithful. And yet here is dad showing all this blessing upon a son who is the prodigal. And so in that way, we have this uh, layout of the book of Jonah that, that kind of takes the first two chapters. And we see uh, a layout where, uh, ver that's very similar and where you could turn it. And it's almost like a mirror of, of chapter 3 and, and chapter 4. 
Um, so Keller says this when talking about the theme of, the, of this book. He says, the, the careful structure of the book reveals nuances of the author's message. Both episodes show how Jonah, a staunch religious believer, regards and relates to people who are racially and religiously different from him. The book of Jonah yields many insights about God's love for societies and people beyond the community of believers, about his opposition to toxic nationalism and disdain for other races, and about how to be, quote, in mission in the world despite the subtle and unavoidable power of idolatry in our own lives and hearts. Grasping these insights can make us bridge builders, peacemakers, and agents of reconciliation in the world. And such people are the need of the hour. And the book's main teaching is not sociological, but theological. And one of the things that I I want you to ask yourself as we walk through this study is, who is your God? What does your God look like? I believe as we walk through this book, we're going to see Jonah struggles with what he thinks God should do and what God should look like. Uh, the first verse is very clear. It's like any other prophet, really, that we see in the Old Testament, where the word of the Lord came to Jonah. That, that isn't different than what we see almost any other prophet. When, when God came to Moses, um, the word of God came to Moses. God met with Moses. We see that through all the minor prophets as they're, as they're writing and recording about how God came and spoke to them. And then those prophets were the mouthpiece to the nation of Israel. They were to go and to speak and even at times to speak to the Gentile nations. Verse 2 is different though. Verse 1, while the, the same, we see, again, gives us a background of who Jonah is. Uh, verse 2 is different, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. What we see in verse 1, though, if you dig a little bit deeper, you see Jonah, but we see who he is. He's son of the Amittai. And when we do a little research, and we looked at this verse last week in 2 Kings 14.25, we see that, that Jonah uh, came alongside of the king and ministered to the king. Now, this is different and unique when you look at the other minor prophets of his time. Because there were two other minor prophets of his time, and as they were there, they were calling out the king, the king of Israel, because the king of Israel was not walking with God. And so during that time, Jonah has aligned himself as, as a nationalist. He's a supporter of Israel and supporter of the king. Now, we don't know a whole lot of background, so I don't want to jump to too many conclusions. But we see here there's a connection for sure that Jonah is more aligned uh, with the nation of Israel as an army and a defender. And we see that because of the way that he responds here. Because in verse 2, this is the word of the Lord. Now, we read it from a Western mindset. We see a rise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Nineveh, Nineveh was, uh, would, would become the capital city of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were a great people who tormented 
other nations during this time. One at a time, they would pick off different nations, different people, and they would rule this section of the world. And they were known for, for a lot of great things. Uh, they had big libraries. They had big art uh, places, uh, palaces. They were known for their architecture. But one of the biggest things that they were known for as their kings ruled is they were ruthless. They were ruthless in how they uh, came and they defeated the oppositional armies. As they would come to battle, uh, they would uh, slaughter uh, people. And if they kept you alive, they would torture you. And they would torture you by making you carry the heads of your own people, your own kings, as they paraded you around their cities. Um, they, would, they would take the, the bodies and hem them up against the walls of their cities. The, these people were not known as um, loving, kind, gentle people. The Assyrians um, were ruthless. And Nineveh would become the capital city where the king later on would come and build up this city. And it was a great city. We see um, Jonah, as he writes it, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. And now, as we look at, again, history here, there's a, there's a break in the kingdom of the Assyrians. Um, there's a king who is on his deathbed, and on his deathbed, one of his sons arises um, to overthrow because he's already put as the prince his oldest son. The younger son doesn't like that. And so in that doing, this younger son, is he's, he's now running out of Nineveh. Nineveh is not the capital city yet. It will be, some, it'll be down the road later. All right, that's why I think it's called a great, the great city. Um, but this, this younger son who has arisen a rebellion uh, against the, the, the dying king and the prince is, is stationed here in Nineveh. And so he's already taken, history tells us, that he's already overtaken 20-some cities in his rebellion. And Nineveh is one where he, he is now working out of. That's his main hub. One of the things that you can do is you can go back and you read about the history of Nineveh and the walls and the greatness of this city. Um, I thought it was interesting um, looking at the palace of the later king. It was 600 by 650 um, feet. Uh, Nineveh was roughly uh, 1,800 acres big. Um, it had 15 gates and uh, 18 canals. There was a moat that surrounded Nineveh. It was a fortress that, uh, that as a city, it was, it was great. It was huge. It was, it was full. Uh, the wall that surrounded Nineveh was roughly 50 feet thick. And it was about uh, 82 feet high. That's a big wall. And when we look at that, it was uh, about a seven and a half mile long wall that surrounded its city. And so when the text tells us that this is a great city, we see it is a great city. It's a big city. Now, what we miss from our, again, North America mindset is, uh, is this call. All right, we read it as, okay, God spoke to, 
to, to Jonah and asked him to go to this great city. This great city was wicked. Um, the, the writer helps us to see that. Uh, it is wicked and it's bad. Um, we know again from history what the, what the Assyrians and how they how they lived life. Um, they didn't have any any respect for uh, necessarily living their lives in approval of a god. They did life however they wanted to, and they were religious, but they wanted to do life on their own terms. Here's what we miss: Jonah, being a Jew is the only prophet that I know in the Old Testament that was called physically to go to a Gentile nation and to ask them to repent. And so in this call, it's different from all the other prophets. That's where verse 2 is dramatically different. So when the readers start reading it, the Jewish nation starts reading this letter and as they're reading the history in this narrative, we can easily be caught up into the story. The early readers would read this and be like, what? God asked a prophet to go and speak to a Gentile nation? Why would God do that? Why would God call one of our good men to go and to tell these people to turn to him? Why doesn't he destroy them? Why doesn't he get rid of them? They're so mean. They're so cruel. They're, they're not nice. They're our enemies. Why would God call one of his prophets to go speak to the enemy? That's what we miss. And so when we look at verse 2, God's call to Jonah says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil. That same word there in the Greek can be evil or disaster. Their great evil, their disaster, the way they're living life has come up before me. See, I think in some ways Jonah rightfully deserves it, but in other ways we need to put ourselves in his shoes here is Jonah who has dedicated his life to the God as a prophet who is helping the king and trying to restore somewhat the kingdom, Israel, the way it should look. And now God calls him to go talk to the enemy. What a betrayal. What a betrayal that would be, right? Here you are working with the king side by side and God says to you, hey, I want you to leave the king and I want you to go talk to the enemy. Oh, man. That, that's, that's on the verge of being a traitor. So when we look at this book, again, the main teaching is not sociological. There are some things that we need to pick up but as we look at this book, I want to challenge you to think about the theological, the study of God as we know him and as we see him. What does your God look like? And how does that compare to the God of the Bible? Can God be both merciful and just? Last week we looked at Romans 3 and how God is, uh, Christ is both the um, 
both just and the justifier of those who come to know him. Can your God be both merciful and just? And how do you define that? According to your terms, because you know what's right and what's wrong, because you know what's fair and what's not fair? This this book challenges us in so many ways to start looking at our God and to see how does that line up with who he really is. A Hebrew prophet was sent out of Israel to go to a Gentile city, to Nineveh. God speaks to us today. Do you still believe that? I believe he speaks to us through his word. I believe that he uses other people at times, and I believe that he uses his spirit. And as he speaks to us, sometimes I believe he asks us to do things or to say things that seem contrary to, the, to, to what, what we want to do. It seems like we're going to the enemy but let me encourage you, as we walk with God, as you walk with God this week, as God speaks to you and as he has spoken to you, be obedient to him. Even in the face of the world and what the world has to offer and what the world is showing us, let me beg you and let me plead with you, as God speaks to us, we need to be obedient to be faithful, even if it means ministering or going to our enemies or people that we think aren't worthy enough to have love, to be shown love, to be shown mercy, to be shown grace or forgiveness. I elevate myself at times in comparison with other bad people. Because I never elevate my, I never look at and compare myself to other good people because then that makes me feel bad. So I compare myself to bad people, right? And so doing that, I feel pretty good about myself and I look at them and say, man, they're not so good. So when you're reading the news or watching news or you hear stories and about cruel and mean people, what goes through your mind? What goes in your heart? The people of Nineveh are cruel and wicked and deceitful people. But what we see is that God loves them. And what we need to see as we walk through life is that every single person that walks on the face of this earth has value. And we are not the judge. We're not the ruler. We're not the one who has the proper lenses to be able to see where their life is going and what's going to happen. God calls us as followers of Jesus Christ, no matter where you are in life, no matter what he's called you to do, to be obedient and to show his love. 
to express that to others, to show the gospel message. The gospel message is very clear and simple. Me, a sinner, deserving God's full wrath, I deserve to die and spend eternity in hell, apart from God forever. That's what I deserve. That's what every human being and mankind deserves. But the gospel message tells me that I have great worth, so much worth that God loved me so much that he was willing to send his son, Jesus, his only son, and that Jesus came to this earth and that he suffered and that he died. And he died taking my sin, my disobedience, all of my wrongdoing upon himself. What I deserved and what God gave me are two different things. So no matter how good I think I am, I, I, I can't hit the mark of perfection of a perfect God. I'm imperfect. And yet God demonstrated his love towards me while I was yet a sinner that Christ died for me. He took my place and he didn't stay dead. He was buried and he rose again three days later in that offering to me an eternal relationship with him. He offers something that I can't obtain on my own. Something that I could never get on my own. But through faith and because of God's grace because of what Jesus did, he says, here's a free gift that I offer to you. A relationship. So that you can see how much I love you. And so, God not leaving me there where I was, not getting what I deserved, extended to me forgiveness, grace, mercy, Love. But it's accepting that gift. I remember the day that I accepted that gift. I don't remember if I was four or five, but I remember the day sitting in class, in a Sunday school class, with Mrs. Darlene Massey as she shared about what Jesus did for me. And I remember raising my hand when she asked, is there anybody who would like to trust Jesus and to ask him to forgive them of their sin? And I raised my hand that day. And I stayed after class and I prayed. And I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Going from I deserved to go to hell. And as a little boy, I couldn't understand that except for Tom and Jerry. <laughs> That was the cartoon that I probably watched earlier that week where Tom, as he was trying to eat Jerry, you know, got thrown down to this imaginary hell and there on his shoulders, one was a little devil and one was a little angel. And I remember thinking, I, I don't, I don't want to go to that place. That's scary. But as I thought about that angel on Tom's shoulder, I remember thinking, somebody died for me? Somebody loves me that much? God loves you that much. And if you haven't yet experienced that love, he offers to you today that love, that gift. 
It's yours to receive. You say, well, what do I have to do? Accept it. It's a gift. We don't deserve it, and we can't earn it. We take it, and we claim it as ours. I claim Jesus as my Savior. And in so doing, as I've learned and grown through the years and understood God's work and his calling on my life, I understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, we have a huge responsibility. But that weight isn't ours to carry. It was carried on the cross. God doesn't call us to be perfect. The perfect man already died for us and he rose again. He calls us to love him, to follow him, and to love others. So that others can experience that same mercy and grace, forgiveness, and love. So as you live your life this week and you start thinking about what does my God really look like? How does that compare to what the Bible really says about who God is? My demands on God and what, what is God really doing and how does God really work? I encourage you to be obedient to God. God's called us as his followers to live for him, to follow him. So follow him this week. Be in his word. Talk to him. Listen to him. He loves us so much. Aren't you thankful for a loving, gracious, merciful God? Amen. Let's not be judgmental when we start to see God's calling on our life to minister to those that might not be here. We've got to go outside of these walls and love and not judge. To love them with the love of Jesus Christ. Sin, sin. We're going to talk about that in the, in the future. Don't think I'm becoming liberal in my thinking or theology. Stop. We get scared in, in this mindset sometimes of, uh, of thinking, oh, well, if I give too much grace and too much mercy, then all of a sudden now it gives a license to, for people to do whatever. No, I'm not talking about a license to do for people to live however they want to live. But we, you and me, we are not the judge and jury. We're not here to do that. We're called to love God, and we're called to love people. And so doing, let's share the love of Jesus this week. Amen? Lord, thank you for this opportunity as we've begun uh, this study I pray, Lord, that, that we would, that in our core, we would ask ourselves, what does my God look like? And how does this compare to who God really is? And just as you came, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, your word has come to us and I pray that we would accept that and live that out. And that we would be obedient, no matter what the cost. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. Thank you that he gave his life 
so that we could have eternal life. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody here this morning who has not given their heart, placed their faith and trust in Jesus, that right now in this moment, they would claim that gift. Regardless of their past, regardless of what's taken place, If you need to experience the forgiveness of Jesus, he offers to you in this moment eternal life, an eternal relationship. Would you cry out to him and say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need to trust Jesus as my Savior. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin. He was buried and that he rose again three days later. Appearing to over 400 people, proving that he was not dead anymore. He was alive. I believe that he did that for me. And so this morning I claim him as my forgiver. I claim him as my savior. And I want to follow him as my Lord. Lord, those of us who have already given our lives to you, our hearts to you, help us to continue to be obedient in spite of the temptations of our own flesh and our own selfish desires, Lord, of what we want to do. Lord, your word has spoken so clearly to us and how we should live and how we should seek to honor you, to seek the kingdom first and your righteousness Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to love you with all of our heart. What a privilege, Lord, you've given us to live another day for you. So help us to take full advantage of it, knowing that night's coming. So may we be productive while it's still day. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.